Hello and welcome to a very special episode of Diminishing Returns. Why is it special? Well, for one thing, we've got Calvin back. That's always special, isn't it, Sol? Hello, Calvin. He's over there. I'm Alan. Hello. And there's Sol. He's drinking a drink, so he can't respond. Uh, (laughs) And it's special, Sol, this episode, because we're doing something a little bit different. Uh, We are tackling a TV show instead of a film. We've done that before. Yes, but it is quite unusual. We've done it, what, twice in 289 episodes or however many fucking episodes we've got. Yeah, and I think both of those were very early on as well. I think they were in like the first 12 episodes or something. I think it's special in that we've never tackled something that's, uh, you know, is going to be so unpopular with the (laughs) uh, audience audience that listen to this podcast. Yeah, Yeah, I I think we're really... We occasionally do know, things I... that are a little bit uh, unknown or a little bit more niche, but they're interesting. Whereas mm. this is just, mm. we're doing Downton Abbey. I mean, I, I think mm. this is going to be interesting. I think there's discussions to be had here. Mm. This is a popular show, mm. Alan. This is <laughs> yes, with pensioners. And I'm, this is IMDb's 107th most highly rated TV show on its list of top 250 TV shows. Really? Huh. This this show is popular with Americans to the point that oh, like every animated cartoon has done a parody of it at this point. Pretty sure The Simpsons did. Bob's Burgers definitely did. Uh, uh, Bojack Horseman was it? No, it was Tuca and Bertie. I think lots of things have been doing it. Really, John Favreau watches it in like Iron Man three or Spider Man or something when he's in hospital. <laughs> Iron Man three, I think it is. Okay. And well, they make they make a big joke about how he likes it, and that's justification enough for me. It is something of a cultural. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's the Low voice point. of. Uh, it's uh, yeah. I I don't know. It's part of the culture, and it's doing the unthinkable thing of like being a very popular series and then becoming On a ITV. film in this On day. ITV. And <laughs> in that, in, yes. <laughs> no, no, no. Like in theaters, like. What on mm, earth? Yeah, um, yeah. I would have thought it'd be it'd be better for you know ITV just to get, commission a mini series or something and have that on their streaming service. Or Calvin, mm. well, for just for our for our non-British audience, Calvin, can you explain ITV? <laughs> oh right, okay. Uh, well, ITV was the uh, third channel. It, to it's the appear. channel Calvin watches. <laughs> I don't watch it anymore. We watched it a lot growing up. But, uh, <laughs> Which surprises yeah. me, because I it's, thought you, you, um... were, you were brought up better than that. No, he wasn't. He no. grew up eating stewed beef in a tin. ITV <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I, is perhaps um, the target uh, audience that is not part of the Metropolitan liberal elite, <laughs> I think, is fair to say. I mean, look, ba- and they basically, put on adverts. there's look. We're known in this country for the BBC. Yeah. It's um, for all intents and purposes state-funded television. Mm-hmm. Not quite, but it's it's like the British equivalent of PBS. Um, and as a result, the BBC strives to produce quality content that's worthwhile and uh, doesn't go chasing viewing figures in mm-hmm. quite the same way. Uh, and then we have ITV, and um, that is the the commercially driven one with adverts, and so it is basically populated with wall to wall populist lowest common denominator shit. Mm-hmm. 
Um, yeah. That's pretty much how it breaks down in the world of terrestrial television. And then there was Channel 5, which came along in the 90s and, and built an audience showing softcore pornography at 9pm onwards on a Friday night. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, you tuned in for that Look, too. It was pre-internet, all right? Look, I hate... I'm yeah. not saying that like a bad thing. I love me some Channel 5. I, I still have a VHS somewhere with a whole just medley of like 30 second clips from Channel 5 late at night where it was like, oh, press record, it's starting! <laughs> <laughs> Mm. Uh, okay, so that's a brief history of television in Britain. <laughs> uh, and so basically, when we slag off ITV, it's because it's got a bit of a reputation for being, yeah, populist crap. But that's not to say they don't produce anything good. Um, it's just a, it's just an easy joke, really. <laughs> yeah, good good example. Back in 1971, they produced the uh, seminal television <laughs> series Upstairs Downstairs about... Um, <laughs> It was a TV drama about like a a big old country house and the servants who work there and the divide between the two classes. Yes. What are you trying to say? Oh, just uh, just just thought I'd mention it. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But obviously, there was uh, was it Gosford Park that Julian Fellows wrote, uh, which was sort of a very similar. Uh, set up, but I think it was maybe a murder mystery as well, but then it was after writing that that he got the inspiration to, oh, I can just do this as a TV show. Mm. And that's, um, yeah. Does it, people know who Julian Fellows is? What is he actually famous for? Because I know him from, he has a bit part in one of the Bond films, <laughs> and I think he's been on, like, QI and panel shows and is a bit of an intellectual know-it-all. Well, I, I think he's a lot. I'll be honest, it's only just dawned on me that it's not the same person as Julian Clary. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, that'd be um, a very different show. Julian Fellows. Oh, hang on. He's the guy in the opening credits, isn't he, for Downton Abbey? Is he? What? No. Well, his name's there. What do you he mean his name? And wrote the bloody writer. thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, of course it is. Yes. He's the All right. Yeah, no, I do remember that he's his own thing then. Every time I watch Downton Abbey, that name pops up and I go, Julian Clary's in, in Downton Abbey. And then I go, oh, no, hang on. I just know. I don't. It's a different one. The, the names are not similar. They're called Julian. Yeah. <laughs> and then, how many other Julians are there? Uh, Alan, I'm I'm sort of turning to you for this. What is Julian Fellows famous for? I don't know. Being a bit of a ponce. Uh. <laughs> I know him. Didn't he present that TV show about grammar? Yeah. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Sounds about right. Because it's a name that I've just I've, I've always been aware of. Even outside well, of the Bond connection, he's a he's a law a law a lord. Yeah, yeah, but is that so? Is Christopher Guest? Is he? Yeah, huh? Yeah, but that's yeah. But Christopher Guest is one through through birth. Julian Fellows has been appointed because he's Bond. <laughs> <laughs> oh, interesting. Yes, there's hmm. a TV show called Never Mind the Full Stops that was about sort of punctuation and grammar. A quiz show. God, he's sort of like a, 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 a he's sort of an intolerable Stephen Fry, really, isn't he? Like he does a bit of acting, a bit of screenwriting, a bit of presenting, but just on that other end of the spectrum, like an evil Stephen Fry, like Stephen Fry mixed with Giles Brandreth. Oh, oh, no, no, I like Giles Brandreth. Of course you do. 
<laughs> anyway, so Julian Fellows wrote this. Uh, he is an Oscar-winning writer. Um, For Gosford Park, I believe. Yes. Which was the same thing. So he likes his period stuff, I guess. Yes. Dirty boy. And <laughs> so, okay, Downton Abbey, it started in 2011. 2010? 2010. Okay. Yep, 2010. Lasted for six series to 2015. Which is pretty good going. Yep, yep. And several Christmas uh, specials as well, which were practically like films in their own right. They were like two hours well, with it, adverts. Even the, even the shortest episodes are like, what, an hour? 50 minutes? Something like that? Well, they're a, t- yeah. they're a TV yeah. hour, I guess. Yeah. yeah so it'd be like 50, 48, 50 minutes. But I watched, mm. I watched an episode that was well over that. That was just in the mix. That was like an hour and fifteen or something. I mean, that's the opening a episode was definitely longer, and maybe the last one of the series that I watched. I only watched yeah. the first series. I should state that up front. I guess. Did you watch it when it first went out, or no? I watched it three days ago. <laughs> ah. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, I I watched the whole thing as it aired. I think I caught Why? up with the first two series <laughs> and then um uh started with season 3 watching it on from there. Uh the Christmas specials were a highlight of the Christmas TV mm. schedule for uh, me and my mm, family. Sure. We would always sit down and watch the 2 hours of Downton Abbey. Actually, mm. it was quite freeing in 2016 when there wasn't a Downton Abbey. Uh on yeah. at Christmas because we spent Doctor the previous Who. five years <laughs> watching that. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, what about you? How do you come to Downton? I mean, I I, I was aware of it from the cultural zeitgeist because American stuff had cottoned on to making fun of it, as I mentioned earlier. Mm. So I watched it for the first time over the last few days for this. Yeah. What? How much did you watch, Sol? Well, I intended to watch <laughs> series one. Mm-hmm. Because I borrowed it from my mum a while ago. My my mum was ill and borrowed DVDs, like box sets from a number of people as just something to watch. And she borrowed one from a friend that I hate. I like the worst woman I've ever the worst person I think I've <laughs> ever met in my life. My mum says she's good entertainment value. <laughs> That's anyway. why we're friends with you, Sol. <laughs> 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 anyway, um, bad person. And Downton Abbey was her Abbey, favorite obviously. TV show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, not surprising. <laughs> she, uh, so I, I just found series one. I, I was looking at DVDs at my mum's a while ago, like, oh, you know, what should I watch that I haven't seen yet? I'll borrow this and that. And I finally got around to watching it because we were going to do it on this podcast. I've been meaning to watch it just because it's because it is culturally significant. I wanted to just dip my toe in with an open mind. And I should state, I did go into this with a completely open mind. Um, <laughs> and I discovered, to my dismay, uh, <laughs> Series 1 is split across three discs, and for whatever reason, uh, Disc 3 was not in the box, and instead I had, dis- oh, no! instead I had Disc 1 of Series 3. So <laughs> I've watched Calvin, oh. <laughs> the first... Uh, the first two discs of series one, and then like three episodes from series three or something. <laughs> so, I, so I've had a, oh, little, a weird little platter of episodes. <laughs> Strange. Uh, did it did it make sense? More or less. I mean, some guy was mm-hmm. in prison. I didn't really know what that was about. <laughs> you missed all the World War One stuff, but that's fine. Well, I want to. We'll come back to that. 
let's just hang on. So I wanted to... Uh, I I bought uh, Series 1 and Series 2 on DVD because when we planned to do this several weeks ago, I thought, I've got time to watch this. If I get into it, I can watch them. Um, and as you too well know, I watched 15 minutes of the first episode and then messaged you saying, I don't think we should do Downton Abbey. <laughs> because I can't, I can't bring myself to watch this shit. <laughs> uh, but you insisted. So what I did was I watched the first series the other day. But I, I must say, I watched it all in one sitting. I basically binged the series, Oof. which is about six hours. Um, oh my God. Was it like a clockwork orange? Did you have... <laughs> <laughs> Toothpicks holding your eyes open. Uh, Head in a no, it, <laughs> it was... Um, I found it perfectly quite watchable, I guess, in that sense. Um, and it did just sort of pass by quite easily. And I was I was watching it. It did hold my attention. Although I was, like, uh, you know, packing. I'm moving house. So I was sort of, like, starting to go through some stuff. But, but I was engaged with it. Uh, but that was why I was able to just sort of sit through it all in one evening. Because I was kind of sifting through my possessions and stuff well i mean crucially this did air on sunday evenings here in the uk which is just sort of perfect uh sunday evening telly to sit down with a you know a short spirit and the family and put your seat up on a nice autumn day (laughs) oh yep yep antiques roadshow was on before it i think antiques roadshow (laughs) yeah it was eight until nine and then this was nine until ten i believe I'm just going to come out and say it. One of my first notes here is... And like I say, I did go into this with an open mind. I really did. Uh, (laughs) One of my notes here is, watching the show has made me think less of the human race. (laughs) Oh Oh my god. (laughs) Why? What's so grossly offensive about it? Oh, you kid! I mean, because it's not that the show itself is that bad. Because it is watchable. I mean, it's bad, but... The fact that this has been plucked out and become... I I mean, I just... All of the characters are utterly, utterly loathsome people. From the ones that are cartoonishly, two-dimensionally loathsome. Like that gelled hair twat that (laughs) spends every episode going, Oh, I'll tell you what you should do now. uh, (laughs) Here's a really good plan. And then they'll cut to the new person... Going, oh God, oh, I tried cleaning your shoes with the materials he told me about and I've set them on bloody fire. They're burnt, <laughs> they're burnt down. Oh. And then some big fat posh twat who, who's like the head of the butlers going, how dare you make, an a-, make a mistake, even though we didn't train you up properly. And then... <laughs> And then they go, oh, well, he told me to. And he goes, oh, I don't believe I did tell you to do that. Did I, sir? It's, oh, my God. So they're, they're the ones that you're meant to dislike. And then there's the ones you are meant to like. Like like uh, benevolent Hugh Bonneville, cuddly yeah. Earl with all the money, who spends all of I've seen from Series 3 crying because he blew all of the money on a bad investment. Oh, 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 well, we're rich and, uh, no, we're not rich anymore because I've fucked up, but uh, we've got to keep this house going. It's so important that we have a big house with wealthy people in it and servants. It's so important. 
We couldn't possibly let the legacy of Downton die. I've sacrificed too much being born with a silver spoon in my mouth to ever... Oh, God, I hate all of them, Calvin. I hate them all. <laughs> the fucking simpleton woman one who, who walks around going, Oh, I'm going to be... I'm going to be receptionist. I can't be a receptionist. I don't know how to write. And then <laughs> and then the posh plum in a mouth one who's like, I'm taking an interest in you and I'm going to teach you to write. It's simple. Look. Oh, papa, I've gone to a political meeting. Well, it better not be for bloody progressive politics. Oh, what if it is, papa? Hello, I'm the Irish one. Up the IRA. Oh, politics at the table. No. Oh, I hated it. I hate them. So there you go. Oh. Uh, <laughs> well, so... Um. Uh, <laughs> that was a fairly accurate rendition. Um, if anything, you've caricatured it even more than they are in the show. <laughs> which is impressive. <laughs> but yes, uh, okay, so yes, I agree with you. <laughs> Um, <laughs> you seem very angry about it. Though, it's it's the fact that it's a celebration of this it, old shit. It's the fact it's that peppered. people like it. That's your and that's what problem. I mean. And that's gone down so well. And I can forgive the Americans for latching onto it because I get it. Better. They haven't got any history of their own, and they fetishize other art history because they're like, oh well. I understand that, but. The people in this country who latch onto it and go, oh, God, oh, things were nice back then. Is that <sighs> what people think? I think that's a big Do part Do people watch of it, this and go, oh, it were great back then? I think back they then, watch it and it? go, oh, how quaint and soft. Like Hammond says, <laughs> soft, warm, Sunday afternoon, Sunday evening television. Ah, I must because I must say the the inequity of the of the lifestyle that they live the the upstairs downstairs element is really played down. It's like all the servants are basically mm. happy with their lot. Yes, well, it's um, a noble yes. life, isn't it, being a butler? <laughs> because it's also <laughs> because to aspire to. and obviously they're they're slaves to the best slave owner in the town, so that's all exactly. right. <laughs> Uh, because yeah, mm-hmm. Hugh, Hugh and occasionally like, they lampshade oh, it. Occasionally sure they not. have the Irish guy come in and go, "What? That's a that's a symbol of oppression." And then everyone, Maggie Smith rolls <laughs> her eyes, and you're meant to go, "Ha ha ha! Hilarious, Maggie." Mm. It, it it becomes uh yeah problematic a bit later on when that Irish one actually become well he becomes one of the aristocrats. He marries um Lady Sybil. Uh, but then the she one. dies at the end. Does of the- he really? That's okay. Can I can I say right? I watched the first series and I don't know anything that happened after that point. Right. So the fact that they were setting that up that they were getting along and he was like pushing her interest in politics. Yeah, the idea that they would get married is kind of ridiculous. Um, also, mm. having, I mean, I don't know if they make anything out of this later on. But having an Irish character who's really interested in politics and then like not really talking about Irish independence whatsoever is really weird. <laughs> Does it come up later on? Yeah, it's series I three. There's the, well, I saw an episode. I assume it must have been series three where someone, probably the snivelly snide one or something, slipped something into his drink, and uh, so he got a bit drunk at the party and was just going. 
Oh, you're fucking king and queen, fucking ruling over the Ireland. It's like you are. being ruled by the fucking Kaiser. And then, like, the king butler mm-hmm. nearly has a heart attack. Goes, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> well, I never. And, like, an old woman's monocle, like, pops out of her eye and stuff like that. Hmm. <laughs> Is this show meant to be a comedy? Because in series one, there's a whole arc that basically amounts to a period costume remake of Weekend at Bernie's, and it's fucking <laughs> hilarious. This this guy sneaks into a, a woman's bedroom late at night to, to shag her, which is, like, scandalous, because it's the old days. And, <laughs> and uh, I mean, it's pretty scandalous that he does just, like, sneak into her bedroom anyway. And then, and then the the second they start having sex, he has a heart attack and dies in her bed. So then the whole house have to. Just to be clear, he's a very fit young man. He's yeah. about twenty three. No sign uh, no, of heart and there's problems no, or anything like that. Absolutely no kind of preamble to sort of suggest he might be a bit sickly or anything like that. I've known people in the twenties have heart attacks. I, you know, without the proper medical care, <laughs> without a good old NHS. <laughs> And then, like I say, there's an extended sequence of a load of uh, the housemaids, like, carrying this bumbling, like, trying to lumber a corpse across the building without being seen. Yeah, and then the butler walks in, <laughs> and he goes, what's going on? And they have to pretend he's just, like, drunk. Yeah, yeah. Oh, putting him to oh, bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they put some sunglasses on him, of course. Not not sunglasses, sorry, a monocle. They put a monocle on him. <laughs> yeah, sun monocles. <laughs> Yeah, they grab his chin and go, Oh, hello, I'm just going to bed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, well, I mean, I, I think that the show is aware when it's sort of doing something a bit silly. Uh, is it? <laughs> I think so. I think I think that was particularly tongue-in-cheek. Was it? Yeah, so I'm not sure it was. Because it, but... it also becomes a big plot point yeah. in terms of her reputation. Oh, yeah. This woman whose virtue has been soiled by a corpse. <laughs> a Turkish corpse. Mm. Mm, mm. Well, it was a triple threat, wasn't it? He was Turkish. He was in a room, and he's dead. So, <laughs> mm. so <laughs> what I was curious to basically the end of the first series, and obviously I wasn't enticed to watch any more. But the end of the first series is the start of the First World War, and that. I, it's interesting where they would go with that in Wait, terms what, of this story. What is story the end of series one? I haven't seen it. What happens? Uh, the <laughs> the war kicks off. They're at a garden party, Ooh. and then someone sends him a telegram saying that war has started. So all of series one like takes place over about like what is it? Two years, three years? Yeah, when did the Titanic? Sort of Twenty uh, nineteen twelve to nineteen fourteen is. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Okay. Which is a problem, and it it, it keeps on on that trajectory. I think by the time it ends, it's like nineteen twenty eight or something. Even though really? the characters haven't aged all that much, but you do just have scenes that end with like people talking about something, and then two scenes later they'll pick up that same conversation again, and it's supposed to be like two years down the line. Um, mm. Well, they're which, very very petty yeah. individuals. I think that 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 stands <laughs> of what we see. Well. The- the reason I found that interesting is because, you know, this sort of stuff, this lifestyle, this upper, upstairs, downstairs kind of thing, the First World War was basically what finished that off, or at least a big part of that. And the First World War was a great kind of democratizing thing. And, and you know, and everything that came after it, like the Russian Revolution and then the national strikes, all, all this sort of stuff that is kind of precipitated by the First World War. Um, 
And not to mention, half the characters in this would presumably have gone to war. So I don't know what series two is missing half the cast, I guess. Uh, well, they are, they are still in it. Uh, the the first series was quite a big success, so I guess they got more budget. So they do have some proper, you know, frontline battle oh, stuff. Really? I was curious as to where they would take it with that and how that would affect things. And I think that could be a really interesting way to tackle uh like and, and give the different series a different flavor because if your second series is the war series and then the next series is post-war if you're going to do it like or if you're doing two years per thing i guess i think that could be very interesting because hmm. th- significant changes were happening um that would affect these guys i do think you want to keep it centered around downton abbey i think is when you're going away from there you're losing your focus so if they're going mm. to the front lines and stuff, you're following the characters, not the not the story. Well, I mean that that that, that was a part of it, but they uh, they did like Downton Abbey itself opened up and they started bringing in like the wounded. Well, yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. I, I guess they shipped them over from somewhere else, and the you know the ladies of the house were tending to them. They kind of dropped this because it was an unpopular uh, subplot, but there was one like burn victim that turned up, and I I think he was like some distant relative of the Crawley family. And, and then feel they, yeah, because they were like, "Oh, well, we can't really tell because your face is melted off." So, um, mm, this is awkward, isn't it? And then he just sort of went off at the end of the season, and then I think he might have popped back later on, but it was a very unpopular story. Okay, here's here's another thing that I noticed from watching series one. Um, there is obviously a pretty strong through story that we're following, several stories, plot lines that are going through the whole series. But then they seem to want to do this episodic stuff as well, where it's just a little thing happens in this episode. We tie it up, a couple of scenes, 20 minutes. Uh, I can give you an example. The butler the butler used to be on the bloody variety stage. Oh, yes. <laughs> which comes out of nowhere. It means nothing. It has no impact. It doesn't affect It anything. does, Alan. It's shameful. How could he possibly go on heading up a household of like as the head butler after that comes out and people know that know that he used to do that? Because they go, oh, well, that's fine. It doesn't matter. Well, that was the no, that was the shocking don't. twist, wasn't it? At the end, no one saw that coming. <laughs> they did that a lot, actually. They were always fine with these things. Was um, Mrs. Patmore's cataracts in series one? <laughs> yes. Yes. Ah, right, yeah. I remember that one. But that one runs over a few episodes, doesn't it? Because she's just angry at that, everything, and then they're like, oh, I, I can't read that, the recipe. That pretty much ran right through the series, like right from day one. Yeah. I didn't mind that. It gave that whole kitchen area a bit of character, a bit of flavour, and mm. it gave her something to do rather than just being a bossy bitch. Um, mm. That was okay, and it didn't really have much of an impact. The, the idea that the Lord of the Manor would pay for his cook to have experimental cataract surgery in London is kind of ridiculous but it, it, I think it was just there to facilitate the um, more broad, incredibly broad sitcom fodder, wasn't it? Oh, uh, put salt <laughs> in instead of sugar! Oh, oh bloody hell! To... Oh, well this is it, right? And this is the other thing apart from the subplots that don't mean anything uh, the like episodic stuff also just little, very little moments that don't mean anything. Like first episode they're getting all the food together on the kitchen table. They're ready to take upstairs. Oh, Daisy! Oh, bloody hell! I've left a bowl of poison on the table. Can you can you put that away? <laughs> oh, and in your other hand, take this bowl that looks exactly the same, and you take that upstairs to food. <laughs> and <laughs> and it's like, what? She's taking a bowl. Like, where? Do you, this is this is not even a good comedy setup. And then <laughs> and then and then I was, so I was expecting it to go somewhere, 
But all that happens is that she nearly takes the poison and then doesn't. And she's like, oh, I nearly took bloody poison upstairs. <laughs> and then it's that's it. It never comes back. I thought it might come back like three episodes later where someone poisons someone. And it was like just a little crap kind of setup for it. But well, I think I, it's just setting up that her cataracts are causing problems. Or but that's could nothing lead to do to with her. Like she's just going, oh, bloody hell, ball of poison there. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's about, it's, I think it's setting up Daisy's kind of stupidity. I yeah, think that's yeah, the yeah. point. I've seen at least three episodes, I think, in the ones I've watched. And I imagine there's probably more where the subplot is basically something along the lines of someone's in my bloody sheets. I'm going to get proper <laughs> bollocked if you wear my sheets. Oh, well, if you've misplaced your sheets, then uh, that probably would be a bad reflection upon you. Oh, I'll bloody show you hiding my it, okay. fucking sheets. I, I mean, it is a very low stakes show at the best of times. <laughs> but I, the characters one act like it's to me. life and death every well, time. Yes, it's I mean, very annoying. <laughs> My favourite one that has really stuck with me over the years is, I think it's from series four or five, um, spoiler alert for you, but the character that Dan Stevens plays, um, Beast. what's his name? Uh, yeah, well, he dies in the series three what? Christmas special, um, after Lady Mary has just given birth to their son. Oh, she gives him some um, poison because she thought it was <laughs> sugar. No, he's, he's in an automobile accident. Um, but yeah, anyway, Oh, they were so saying that up all the way through series three. All oh, these bloody things are so fast! <laughs> Safest method of travel available. She's courting other people, and for some reason, her and a gentleman suitor get, like, stuck outside in the rain, and th- there's it's windy, and the pig's pen opens, and the pigs run out, <laughs> and they spend about ten minutes of Lady Mary and this well-dressed man running around outside, acting life and death, that they need to get these bloody pigs back in the pen. But yeah, that, 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 that's about as high stakes as it ever got. Can I make a prediction? Yes. Does the car crash happen off screen in a real kind of... Uh, you <laughs> 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 see someone's reaction shot. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> I seem to remember it's like, because he's Bouncing going... Bouncing tire. <laughs> He, he's going back to the house, I think, to celebrate or something, and he's not paying attention because he's so happy that about his newborn son. And then, yeah, he's, like, looking up to the sky, and he gets in a crash with someone and dies, even though they're only going, like, 20 mile an hour. But they should have had seatbelts. <laughs> and there's a man walking in front waving a red flag. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the, mm. there, was, there was a specific bit that I noticed. They do a lot of what I like to call uh, murder she wrote cinematography, where they'll suddenly zoom in oh on some very God. small detail as if yeah. to go, look at this, everyone. You're going to need to know this for later. But then <laughs> they did it. Tell me if this goes anywhere in years to come, Calvin. Because there was this one scene, one of the servants, one of the footmen, he leans over, he's serving some food, and it goes this big close-up on the seam of his jacket, which has just come a little bit loose. Uh, needs stitching mm. up. Yes. Big, this big dramatic close-up on it. Then it cut the next scene. They're downstairs, and the butler goes, "William, you have a seam loose. Get it stitched immediately." And that was it. That was the subplot of that <laughs> episode. And I just yeah. thought, why did they make such a dramatic thing about that? It's 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 the quickest form of storytelling, Alan. Instead of like a three-act structure, they've got it down to two acts. Boom, boom, done. <laughs> Set up, payoff, done. <laughs> next. 
But it was such a dramatic shot on his... St- I thought it was going to pop open and then like the button was going to smack someone in the eye and a monocle would pop out. <laughs> and, you know, it's just... Drops in someone's soup and then someone chokes on this, it. This and... is the sort of show where that would happen, where the button would pop off, land in someone's <laughs> throat, they'd choke around the dinner table... And it would be it would be like deadly serious. You you wouldn't be expected to think of it as funny. <laughs> you wouldn't have seen the one where um probably the like act, the most horrific thing that happens um in the show is I think um you know uh, Hugh Bonneville's character he has some kind of like internal bleeding or something happens. He has a, a particularly bad stomach ulcer or something, and at one point he's stood up giving a speech at the dinner table and then just like starts splurting blood out of his mouth at the dinner table. <laughs> like alien. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Yeah, and then they're all really horrified. I think the blood definitely gets on one of the ladies' faces. I can't remember which one. Um, maybe <laughs> his wife. But yeah, we haven't really talked about that, but there is um, his wife here. Um, late. Uh, what's her name? I can't remember. But anyway, she's American. Elizabeth McGovern plays her. Uh, that's an obvious yeah. bit of like, oh, we need to sell this across the yeah, Atlantic. Yeah. So they have the American. kooky. Let's get a big American star. They have the kooky American older woman <laughs> turn up in series three a lot, who's like, oh, well, I gotta say, you Brits are so quaint. And they all go, oh, that's true. Well, well, I never. <laughs> nouveau riche attitudes. Yeah. Can we talk about the acting yeah. in this show? Can do. It's awful, isn't it? Solid all round. Oh, no, it's awful. <laughs> it's wall to wall. Awful. And I know a lot of these no, actors no. are capable of better. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's a very good cast, and they play the parts uh, well. I I mean, I, I must say, I feel like I'm watching a film, like, from the 1930s about the 1920s when I'm watching it, <laughs> and I think the acting conveys that well. It feels like an old-fashioned way of acting, rather than they're just playing old-fashioned characters, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it, it, it reminds me of, like, school Amdram production. <laughs> okay. I don't think it's <laughs> that bad. Reverse. I think they do the job well enough. Gotta bash it out really acting. quickly. Well, this is the, this is the interesting thing, because in terms of the plot, in terms of the writing, the character and stuff, this is pure soap opera. It is just... Classic soap mm. opera, very crappy, tacky script. But the way it's shot uh, is obviously um, shooting for something higher, and I think it's shot really nicely. Actually, I think they do a lot with what must be a relatively low budget. I, I suspect they don't shoot it that quickly in terms of like the acting wise, like you would mm. on a soap. I mean, the impression I got watching it was kind of the actors have got their sides for the day that morning. And they've been given like an hour to learn them, and no one's really spoken to them about what they're trying to convey with the lines. I'll grant you there isn't much in the way of depth in any of the characters. They have their stat. This is your character. Do it. That's your. You're mm. the. You're the evil one. You're. Yeah, the, the evil one's the worst one. one. Worst performance of the lot, I would say. He's awful. Which one? Uh, Thomas. The gay Thomas one. Barrow. Yeah. All right. Yeah, I think yeah. he's. I don't. I think he's. Fun. I think he's doing what he's been asked to do. I, I don't know how to judge him as an act on that. But yeah, he's, he is the most two dimensional character of the bunch. I it's think. a. It's a crap character, and it, it 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 does start out quite well. Like he's the cocky, arrogant one. Yeah, and, and you and don't know at first that he's it. a total dick, and then they do develop him. You see, he's passing information to someone else. He's got this whole gay thing going on, um, which kind of could be 
could go somewhere. It's like, that's good. He's got a secret that could get him in trouble. That could be held against him later or all this sort of stuff. And then he just becomes cackling villain. Every time you see him, he's stood with the other woman who's the other villain. And he's got a cigarette and going, ah, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Fucking kick that bloke in head. (laughs) (laughs) And it's just like, and then they hate Bates. (laughs) <laughs> for no obvious reason other than that oh, he's got a yeah. dodgy leg Poor and they just Mr. fucking Bates. hate him. Well, he's got a shady past, hasn't he? So anyway, there, there are lots of characters. Um, mm. Too many, I would argue. And I suspect it gets bigger as they go along, which oh, at least yes. means you're sort of introducing new characters slowly, so it's not too bad. But there's a lot of characters to get into right away. Mm. I think they handle it just about well enough. Probably just a bit too much. They they try and do all sorts of stuff with Bates. None of it feels justified. None of it, what he does, like it's like oh, he's got a bloody limp. He can't do a job yeah. of work. Let's let's try and kill him. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically what happens over the course of the series. Yeah, yeah. But he does go to prison at some point. Uh, but the the thing yeah. is, I I can understand why like they resent him at first, and Thomas wants his job and all that. But then, like, by the time you're four episodes in, it's supposed to be a year later, he's, he's you know, ingratiated himself with everyone. and Like, the fact that Apparently they just not. keep getting worse and worse and hating him, there's, he gives them no justification for that. Like, if he mm. was constantly having a go at them, even if it wasn't justified from their point of view, it would, it mm. would at least make sense. I think you're right. Like, that, 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 like what's already been said, the writing certainly isn't um, anything short of like soapy cartoony it- uh, stuff but i i just find it funny because I, I disagree with sol what you were saying about like oh yeah the actors just sort of get what they're given in the morning and that's it like i think these scripts are probably just knowing what i know of julian fellows they are probably prepared well in advance and it's probably like oh i you know i don't think he's staying up until 3 a.m the previous day typing away you know new pages Mm. Um, but I, I just, I, I do like the pomposity that he has and that he talks about the show when it is just very, yeah, soapy sort of 1920s Coronation Street stuff. But that, that's, that's exactly what I mean. It's pure soap opera because it's set in 1914 and it's a bit fancy backgrounds. People think it's, people think it's classy and it's good, but it's not. Yeah. I'd, I'd say it's actually quite a badly written show, honestly. There's all sorts yeah. of like. Alan oh, says, the writing is probably tangents. the worst element of the whole thing. I think. <sighs> uh, <laughs> Rose Rose Leslie is in it, who I've got a bit of a crush on, so I'm all right with that. She's the one who learns to type. Oh god! Yeah. Now she's only in series one. Well, I only watch series one, so I'm all right with that. <laughs> you know, I've got a bit of a crush on Alan, who the attractive one, because I'm Which a normal person. Well, which are you talking about Lady one? Sybil? Penelope oh, Wilton. Who's the one who's like a bargain bin Kira Knightley? That one. The, do you mean the main woman, the oldest girl? I don't know. Lily James pops up later on, apparently. Yes, she does. She's my um, once they one. kill off Lady Sybil and they need another young um, lady, young attractive lady around, they get her in. Um, it's like, oh, our cousin has come to visit us <sighs> and she's staying here for the next 10 years. I... I like Maggie Smith the most because I'm attracted to talent. <laughs> well, okay, shall we talk about her? Because we haven't really talked about Maggie Smith, but I think like her character, Violet Crowley, the Dowager Countess, is uh, probably the most iconic thing about the show. She's having a whale of the iconic time. character. She's, she's just she's sat around pissing herself on set, 
She's there thinking, I Literally, can't believe she's I've very been old. getting away with this for ten bloody years now. This is hilarious. <laughs> she's having a great well, she, time. She doesn't, she doesn't talk about the show with much reverence if you've seen her do interviews and stuff. She's, she says that she hasn't actually seen it. And she sort of resents, like, how she would say, like, before, like, Harry Potter came along and then all of a sudden, like, oh, yeah, she'd have, like, ten-year-olds sort of very shyly coming up to her and saying, like, oh, excuse me, are you think And she'd be like, all right, mm, yes. Uh, but then after Downton Edge, she was sort Fuck of saying, Fuck off, like, you little sh- urchins! <laughs> she was saying, like, how that then, um, like, the American public started recognising her and Ugh. now she doesn't go into Harrods. American. Because every time she goes in there, they'll... Yeah, apparently this was the thing that made her sort of really recognisable. She can't go to Harrods anymore. And the Americans <laughs> didn't recognise her from Harry Potter? They Apparently not. Oh. That's what she says anyway. Um, but apparently that's the difference between films and television. I, I Yeah, I don't quite know what she meant. Yeah, by Harry that, but Potter maybe never really re- caught on over there, did it? <laughs> well, maybe, maybe people just didn't recognise Maybe Maggie Smith her. is a liar. How about that? <laughs> Uh, maybe. Anyway, she cites this, and, and not in a very flattering way, and apparently she was the last cast member to sign on for the film, and I heard some, I think it was a producer, bullshitting about it, and they were like, well, well, why do you think it took Maggie Smith so long to sign on? And they were like, oh, well, Maggie, she just wanted to make sure that everyone else was signing on. She didn't want to do it. If there were going to be any substitutes, everyone from the show had to come back for her to do it, but I, yeah, don't think that's true at all. Well, she's the only one of this cast that I would expect could be too busy to do a film. Yeah, yeah. You know, none of these other people have really gone on to... I mean, they're all solid working actors, but it's not like... They're working at a... an ITV TV circuit. It's quite different. Yeah. So like, yeah, yeah. If, if they're too busy, it's because they've signed on to be in panto with... Um, <laughs> uh, uh, Julian Chico Clary. from... Ch- it's Chico time. <laughs> 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 uh, but what what do you guys think about Maggie Smith's character in this? Again, it is a stock character, a sort of venom spitting. Uh, it's pretty. Woman. Yeah, she may as well just come in and go a handbag uh, and just walk <laughs> off. <laughs> just forget. It. Yeah, it's pretty mm. stock stuff. She does it well, obviously. Yeah. She obviously filmed all her scenes in about four days. That must have been nice. For her. <laughs> Yeah, I thought she might bring a little bit of levity to it, and she does, but... I, I did like how in the first series they set up her, and and then they bring in Penelope Wilton to kind of be her, kind of uh, give her a bit of conflict, because everyone else is just kowtowing to her. Mm. I like that, that worked for what it was. They really don't know what to do with Penelope Wilton's character once they kill off her son in it. She's someone who just sort of like, oh, I'm still around. And I think they don't really get rid of that many cast members as the show goes on. And the cast does just continually expand. But then you just have characters That's... like... Uh... This is a show where they should they should do that. Mm. Well, Miss, M- Mrs. What's-her-name, Mrs. Downton, she is often one of the ones who's just like given nothing really to do. Just waiting around. I, I know one of the Christmas episodes they made a big thing about killing off the dog as like oh Isis. as a middle finger to I yeah, take that Isis. <laughs> War on Isis. Well at the time it wasn't that. At the time it was just like they were like, Oh no, we planned on killing off the dog or you know, because when the show started airing it was just the good old Taliban, but during the uh airing of it, Isis became the threat. Is it true that one of them's got a horse called Hitler? <laughs> <laughs> well, they had to stop mentioning it after it's, series the, the two. The thing is, I, 
I haven't seen a single mention of the dog Isis yet. No, he's not in series one. I I kind of assumed when I heard they were killing off the dog that it was oh it's the long the long standing dog that's on the show everyone loves the dog it's going to be a real emotional episode but from the look of it they basically add the dog in just to kill it <laughs> uh, no the dog's around for a bit I'm sure they'll have referred to her by name is it the one uh, in the opening in the sequence? first series yeah yeah the Labrador oh okay I've seen it in the opening sequence then but that's it. <laughs> So, do they kill the dog like Hugh Bonneville has to go and get his gardener to shoot it? Because <laughs> it's got rabies. No, but, but, but then Hugh's just... like, no, I'll do it. It's the right thing to do. And they make a Hugh... <laughs> like, they act like that's <laughs> somehow meaningful and significant. Yeah. Uh, no, it's a very tender moment. He uh, settles in bed with the dog and yeah, Ooh. she just goes to the big old kennel in the sky. <laughs> Yeah, and then and then he's like, uh, right, get rid of this dog to the butler, and the butler goes down to that little kitchen room and goes, right, guys, we're eating cheap tonight. <laughs> That's not his voice, so I'll do it properly. Which one? Yeah, Which one? The butler. Which one? <laughs> the, the main butler. one. Hey, you know damn well. Which the sh- one. There's the sh- only one butler. What? Oh, hello, I'm the butler. <laughs> oh, hello, I'm the other butler. I don't know which one's which. There's only one butler. <laughs> that butler. No, main house. <laughs> the sh- I'm sure I was... In series three, doesn't the butler have a stupid voice? Because it's a new one. He's all like, Da, hello, my name, the butler. And then the American one <laughs> snogs him. And he's like, Da, you like me? What's up with his voice, Calvin? Is that guy the butler? Oh, I don't think he's a butler. So I don't think you're defining these. Job you don't know roles the difference between butler accurately. and footman, do you? No, you fucking pleb. <laughs> <laughs> because I believe that he is a footman. Uh, who you're There's talking to? There's only one butler. The... It's the bloke out of Brassed Off. <laughs> it's a Milderstorm's husband. Oh, this is this is outrage. It, it looks like a sort of knockoff Alfred Molina. Oh, the head butler. He's the head butler. Yeah, he. No, he's the butler. There's no, only one butler. He's the fucking butler. <laughs> he's oh the my head god. Butler. I always wanted to ask do you think this is to blame for Brexit? <laughs> uh, I, I, I was just. Uh, I, I have a sort of a different response to the show now than when I saw it back then, and I think uh, because a lot of the. British stiff upper lipness. I think it might have had a bad influence on the target audience mm. who mm. thought that this was an appropriate way to li- live. And even if they aren't nobility themselves, they might think, "Oh well, yes, Mrs. Patmore is happy with her lot, so long as she, but, you know, she yeah. knows her place, and people should Why know." Why would their you place want to leave and, service? And and there is a hell of a lot of <laughs> just arbitrary wanking off over things like tradition, things that actually are completely meaningless and arbitrary, but somehow get instilled with meaning that doesn't exist. So, like, all the characters, right, they're obsessed with the fucking Downton Abbey. They're obsessed with it. They wander around it like the Overlook (laughs) Hotel, like, oh, we can never leave this house! This house is more powerful than any one of us! We've always been here, and we always will be here in Downton. It's... (laughs) fucking weird to be honest so yeah i I can totally see how it might have instilled an attitude of meaning in stuff that there isn't 
There's there's a whole thing. At one point, the, uh, they're like talking about potentially moving to a smaller house and downsizing because they don't have the money anymore to keep it going. And the American woman's like, yeah, what's wrong with that? That makes perfect sense. You don't need such a big house. And they're like, who oh, tradition? Americans don't understand tradition. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Well, I. Yeah. That's why the that the Thomas character, who's the nasty piece of work, like he could be the voice of like, ah, oh, fuck them. They pay our wages. We do a job. We're not cowed out. Sodom, like that kind of attitude. <laughs> um, yeah. And there is a lot of play you could make with that in the polit- political spectrum as that's going on. But he's just a nasty mm. sort of wanker, so doesn't doesn't play. But he would be the character mm. to do that, I think. Yeah. But it is like how they play his like his gayness and then the black characters that come in and um Lady Sybil's sort of, you know, dalliance with uh political uh revolutionary uh groups and it's just portrayed as this sort of like oh no we're okay with it but mm. just as long as you don't change anything you it, know yeah, and it's, it's very um... I, i've made a note it keeps trying to make points but what are they because throughout <laughs> yeah. the show it, yeah. it's always kind of dab like tickling the the underbelly of of making a statement about something and then it just never actually does from what i can gather it's just sort and of... always with a 21st century attitude yeah, it's always like trying to play lip, pay lip service to, oh, well, of course, you know, we, we're acknowledging that times are, ch- are different now, but we're not going to... There's good folk on both sides, obviously. Uh, good folk on both sides. And it, uh, it's just... <laughs> I don't know. Mm. Well, so what happens in the movie? The king and queen come for tea. It's like, and oh, they have to tempt... The king's coming tempt- round! <laughs> and they have to tempt Head Butler Carson out of uh, retirement <laughs> to come and uh, buttle again. So they take the plastic covers off the sofa, finally. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they open up the front room. It's just for the special guests. <laughs> Being out the best china. Uh, one of the cast members said that it wraps up a lot of loose ends... Uh, to be honest, I can't remember there being any loose ends when the show ended. Uh, I think the gay one might get a partner. Why is he? How is he still in it? Is he in the whole thing? They're all still in it. Yeah, no, most of them are. Um, this is definitely a show that needs to kill off some characters, or you know, send them that's off. That's what I was saying. I think yeah. if you you can have a rolling cast in something like this, just have this uh, this character fucks off. I assumed it was happy. still going and had just been pumping out an episode every year because it, it is just that thing of oh, this character's gone. We've got a new chef. This character's come in. Mm-hmm. Oh, there's a new head of the manor now, and like, it just. It doesn't need now. Most of them, most of them do stick around. But when you think of like this cast to be like, how lucky for some of these people to be in this, like this international, you know, across the Atlantic, huge, you know, Carson talked about it, bicycling through these rural villages in like Thailand or something, and the local villagers would like chase him, like shouting Carson, Carson, um, <laughs> at him because it just translated so well. And I mean, these people are, you know. If this hadn't been a huge hit and it had lasted like two series, they would have gone on to have, you know, a fairly stable job on Coronation Street or something like that. But I can I see why this I don't cast blame the would want for to. Mm. <laughs> but from a producer's mm. point of view, I think this this is a show where you benefit from yeah. having the odd character go die or like you do in soaps. Yeah, yeah. You go no, off I to agree. war, I think they... it doesn't come back. 
The only one that I can think of that just kind of left because the actress didn't, and they had to do a really hasty job because she didn't even come back for, like, a five-minute cameo, but, um, the, uh, the evil lady, you know, the, uh, the dresser lady, um, yeah. who's always outside smoking with the other one, yeah, she, uh, what's her name, Siobhan something, isn't it? She's in Benidorm, that actress. Yeah. Um, she, yeah, she just was like, nah, I just don't want to do it anymore. I'm, I'm watching the film trailer, and... I'm doing it with the sound off, and my first impression is it's it's much much better shot. It looks much nicer, but it appears as though there's a subplot where a French patisserie chef comes to um, take over the kitchen. Is that accurate? Uh, it's coming it's over the there with his bloody French food. I can't take it. Yeah, that's that's the story. Is that actually what happens? Sure the thing that the trailer is so basically the king's coming round for tea. But all hit the king's servants come ahead of him and like, all right, you lot can fuck off. We'll handle this. We just need to use your kitchen. Piss off. And then they're like, this is Downton Abbey's kitchen and we shall use it ourselves. And then they poison all the staff so that they can <laughs> buttle the king. I like I like this. Mm. Uh, hostile takeover. That That is a good plot. Because it was either... It was easy, It was either going to be that or they all go on holiday to like Megaluff or something. Megaluff. <laughs> they didn't go to the seaside in one of the Christmas specials. I think they went to Cornwall. <laughs> of course. What is the justif like how are they justifying this as not just being an episode they play in the cinema? Uh that is, that I don't is think they, is. Um, they don't care. It's not it's yeah. not particularly long. I'm sure there's a there's probably a two hour episode of the show. There's certainly like an hour and a half long episode already. Yeah, no, all the Christmas specials yeah. were. Two hours with adverts. Uh, yeah, no, it's just, I'm sure it'll make more money if it's in the cinema and it's a uh, extra right. layer of prestige. It's it's coming out in September. That's when the schools are back. It's safe for the middle-aged people to come out of their homes and go to the <laughs> cinema again now that all of the superhero films are out of the I mean, way. I, I do love a, a film based on a TV show. It is a real soft spot of mine. But I, I like it because I like seeing something small and usually 22 minutes in nature get a huge blowout with you know all the trimmings whereas this just this does just look like an episode of the show in the cinema i mean it's it's not it's more nicely shot definitely but it's not even like they've cast judy dench as the queen like you you would have <laughs> thought maybe this is where they get a big star in as the king and the big star as the queen wrong, wrong queen <laughs> Well, they've got Imelda Staunton coming in. Mm, uh, well, yeah, but, you know, you could see her on the show. You could see her being on the show. Yeah. Yeah. You're a different audience target, though. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but, I, but I'm a cinema-going audience. That's the thing. I would have thought the kinds of people who watch this and just kind of absorb it when it's pumped into their living rooms, like a... Like a... <laughs> um, Alan, what's a what's a derogatory <laughs> metaphor for what for being pumped in a living room? <laughs> but my point is, I would have thought the majority of the people who watch this show are just going to kind of not go out to the cinema, and it'll just come around and and yeah. Has this become well, no, has no, this the, become the, a sort of destination television in the sense that everyone's willing to sort of go to see another episode? Rather is this going to get oh, the Mamma Mia crowd out? Yes, no, that's exactly it. Like, the audience that this will attract out is an audience that will make a special exception, like, three, four times a year to go to the cinema. Uh, and this will be one of the draws for them. It's like Mamma Mia, it's 
the best exotic marigold hotel. It's Stan and Ollie. It, do you think there's going to be any CGI in this film? Uh, like someone has a car crash, but for... they actually show it. That sort of thing. I don't think anything that no. exciting is going to happen. I think one of them, one of them's going to drop a teacup, and it'll smash. Oh, a full set. What about um, the corgis? <laughs> Wrong queen. <laughs> is that not a generational thing? Is that not been something every queen throughout history has had? No, they all pick a different dog. Oh, okay. They have Dobermans. <laughs> <laughs> I do love the idea of like 20 Dobermans running around Downton Abbey, smashing things over. The butler <laughs> running around like, oh, I, oh, I never... <laughs> the the one with the walking stick trying to like catch up with one of them, but then the dog thinks it's like a fetch toy and like steals his cane and he falls over. And and obviously it's played like completely sincerely, dramatically, even though it's very funny like sitcom fuss. <laughs> this is the kind of show, right, where I would expect there to be an episode where uh, like the new the Irish one say accidentally double books for dinner, and he has to go to dinner with, like, upstairs and downstairs at the same time. I'm not entirely sure how that works. And he, <laughs> and he like, keeps running off to the the bathroom so he can try and do both at the same mm. time, but it's not a comedy and it's completely serious. This is worthwhile, this episode. <laughs> this is... Should we should we rate the show out doing? of ten? Uh, yeah, right. I have been fairly derogatory, you know, joining in with you two throughout this recording, but I will say that this was very pleasant, uh, relaxing television to watch, um, on Sunday evenings, back when it was on, back when the world was a kinder place, and, uh, this made it more hateful, I'm fairly certain, so, um... <laughs> At the time, I would have probably said 7 out of 10, uh, so I'm going to go with that, 7 out of 10. Well, similarly, I think I sounded like I'm going to be a, a lot harsher than I am, because, I, I, like I say, I genuinely do think less of humanity after watching the show and seeing what it actually is all about. Um, Low 7, then. But taking, <laughs> but taking the show on its own merits... Uh, I mean, some episodes are better than others, but I, I'll give it a five out of ten. It, it it it's just kind of it's it's like just TV slop. It's just there. It's fine. Yeah, I don't I agree. I don't. I my issues with it largely extend beyond the show itself. Yeah, like I've said, the uh, pure soap opera really with um, nicer backgrounds. I give it a solid five. Oh, <laughs> this was all a lot more. Uh... Yeah, positive than I anticipated. Yeah. How how would we do a Downton Abbey movie though? If if like we were told you can do it. Cuz I reckon we can do better than the king and queen come to stay. They don't um... even come to stay, do they? They just come for tea. <laughs> we don't know really. I'm thinking Home Alone. What's who's the who's okay. the simpleton <laughs> woman? Daisy. Let's say Daisy is home alone and she has to defend. Let's say World War Two <laughs> kicks off. Is that about right for series after no. series six? Are they up to that point yet? No, no. How, how no. much longer have they got? I think they're in 1930s. So they have another, uh, right. yeah, nine years to go. Um, ah, shit! So we can't have the Nazis invading. Oh, oh! 
Hugh Hugh Bonneville and his mate, all the all the posh ones go on holiday. And and you think, oh, it's gonna be about them going to Magaluf together, and that's gonna be the holiday. <laughs> but what it's actually about is all the housekeepers like having a risky business, like <laughs> at home, dancing around in their underpants to um old time rock and roll by by Bob Seeger. And uh what they get up to, like when like living like posh people. Well the, because they do that in the series. They all go off to London for the season, the summer season. So yeah, it's mm. just like what what goes on while the uh, while the uh, bosses are away. Yeah, like, like they put on their clothes, they walk around going, "Oh hello." But it it, it turns out that <laughs> all that all that happens is they just get on with the job and they clean the chimneys and stuff, and <laughs> they've actually got a lot of responsibilities. Yeah. And if they don't get them done, they'll get fired and then they'll die because if you haven't got a job, you can't eat. <laughs> No one's going to hire Mrs. Patmore if she gets fired from the you know fanciest place in all of Grantham. There's no healthcare. You know what? I I'd never really thought about it, but for ages, I must have been confusing Hugh Dennis with Hugh Bonneville. <laughs> Fuck's sake! What is your problem with first names? <laughs> well, I was just, I was watching Downton Abbey, and I was like, oh, it's the guy from Not Going Out, isn't it? Bear in mind, <laughs> bear in mind, I've never really watched Not Going Out either. I like Hugh Bonneville. Well, that's his problem, really, isn't it? That's how people feel about him. Yeah, I mean, I used to feel <laughs> that way, and then I saw him try and act angry in uh, Downton Abbey in, in the episode where she goes off to do the politics, and I was like, oh, he really hasn't got any range. He can't He can't do anything other than kind of benevolent <laughs> indifference. <laughs> <laughs> that's Paddington. He does it so well, though. Obviously, we're all scum at heart. If we're 19, 12, we're working in service, we're working in the house, what's your job? Because mm. mm. I really want to be Thomas, the gay footman, who hates everyone. <laughs> I feel like that mm. would be my natural position. <laughs> well, I would like to be him as well, but I, f- I feel like I'd be, without education, I feel like I'd have just ended up being one of those simple footmen. Uh, <laughs> one who wants to really work with horses, but... Can I, can I just... Really... Yeah... Alan's made me think about what chores there are, and it's just made me wonder, is there an episode of Downton Abbey where they make a big thing out of vacuuming the house, and they have like the big old-timey vacuum in, brought in? Oh my god. There are episodes where... Oh, what is it? It's not a vacuum, exactly, but there is something where they bring in, like, an automatic mixer, or like, a kettle <laughs> that can heat itself, like, and Mrs. Patmore's obviously outraged by it. Uh, and thinks it's going to do her out of a job. Another, another classic is... sitcom plot that's being played deadly seriously. <laughs> Father Ted has literally that plot where Mrs. Doyle gets yeah. jealous about a coffee machine. <laughs> no, no, I think it, it might be a toaster or something like that. It's something comes in and Mrs. Patmore gets really insecure about it for an episode. Bloody George Foreman grill. What's the George Foreman grill? <laughs> <laughs> Did she sabotage it? Did she like wedge a fork in it? To... <laughs> it's something. Something goes haywire, and then it's like, oh, we haven't got our bloody toast for the eggs. Oh God, what will we right, do now? That, and then this Mrs. is my more like gets the. Fire that's my pitch for the movie. That's my pitch for the movie. They get a robot butler. And they're just, they go nuts. They're like, bloody robot, can't do anything. But it's so much better than they are at everything. And it's, it's hijinks and shoe. Sol, this, I think this is in the last episode of series one, so you might have missed it. But there is, in that episode, they get a telephone. 
Whoa. Uh, yes. And then I started getting <laughs> phone calls from, from people saying, Hello! <laughs> is your is your refrigerator running? We don't have a refrigerator. I I wouldn't know. I don't operate the kitchen. I'll put you through to our head chef. Hello! Bloody refrigerator! <laughs> <laughs> Hello, it's you there. <laughs> <laughs> um, what would I be if I was a servant? Let's see, where would I? I think I, I think I make. I feel like I'd work, be working my way up towards being the chef. In in, I, I cook. I think. Do they all, say chef? You don't have man chefs. Do you not? I don't, not in those days. Men made men made better chefs in the old days. Everyone knew that. Only in France, yeah. <laughs> I'd, pull, I'd grow the moustache. <laughs> oh, fair enough. All right. Uh, all right, so I wouldn't be a cook. I don't think I'd suit... I think Driver? I'd want a job where I was largely... Didn't have to interact with them directly very much. So either a driver or maybe, maybe the stable hand. They have someone looking after the horses. Yeah, that's a big job, though. That's difficult. Gardener. I think I'd be the gardener. Do they have a gardener? Mm. They must have, Ooh. yeah. Somebody just wanders around have, trimming yeah. all the bushes. I can see you doing that. Maybe lets the dogs out of the kennel in the morning. and lets them When it's really out. hot, you take your cravat off. No, no, they wouldn't And like then drink a Diet Coke. No, like, <laughs> they would not like that at all. <laughs> Ding dong. <laughs> We have not got electric doorbells at Downton Abbey. <laughs> oh, lads. It's the classics today. It's me, classic Sean. Japanese Sean. born. Sean edition. Uh, hello. Shall I oh, do... Hi. Shall I do Downton Abbey footman? Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, what, what's that doing here? They haven't written ahead three weeks ahead to tell us you're coming. Uh, we have not got anybody here to receive you. Take bloody What's fucking Yorkshire gone? Right, hang on. What am I? <laughs> I am brew. I am brew. <laughs> oh, it's me. Take me coat. <laughs> oh, I've got to take bloody Scotsman's coat now. I wrote Is he Japanese from, or Scottish? What's going I on? I wrote yes from Japan. I, did. I can't do accent today, lads. <laughs> can't do it. That it's getting all transatlantic. I've been spending too much time hopping about from Japan. Oh, oh, you're back into it there, actually. Yeah, you I think it. you're just about, yeah. So take, take me coat, lads. I believe it's called a kimono. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice, Sean. Very nice. You've got an eye on you. <laughs> well done. A lovely dragon now, uh, <laughs> embroidered in the back of it. There. There's, a slight, there's a very slight mark on that kimono. I trust uh, if I give it to you to uh, have a look at, I trust you won't accidentally use the acid on it instead of the salt crystals and burn a hole in it. <laughs> Hijinks and shoe. <laughs> All right, so I'm here, lads. Hear about the Patreon. This is oh, very yeah. much. This is this is very similar to Downton Abbey, isn't it? There's like a big pot of money. There's a load of little peons. All <laughs> propping up something much larger than themselves, and no one really knows why. <laughs> sure, diminishing returns, lads. What you what are you putting out on that Patreon these days? Oh, I'll tell you what. Just went out today. 
uh, Lion King review. I, I mean, lads, you, you promised that Lion King episode about three weeks ago. So what's going on there? Well, that's when we recorded it. <laughs> I don't have time to edit it. <laughs> also, by the time you're listening to this, it'll be two weeks ago it was out. But yeah, we've just put three things out in the last few days. Hey, hey, well, that's 29. There's 29 Diminisodes out there at the moment. Oh, that's hell. quite a lot, lads. That's quite a lot. And, and I understand there's two full... Not even diminishodes, just episodes that are exclusives. That's correct. Uh, Japanese oh, aye, bombs. Aye. Well, <laughs> aye, it's not as shite as I thought, I suppose. Not quite. <laughs> so anyway, I'm, I'm here. I'm doing a shout out. So we got, we got a, uh, we got a lad called Sam, or it might be a lash called Sam, because oh, uh, I don't, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm more, I'm more progressive and uh, looking to the future than the Downton lot. I understand the lashy can be a sham in this day and age, you, you know. What's uh, what's the surname of Sam? Oh, I I don't know. It just says Sam. Just Sam. It Sham the man. It could be Sam. Or Sham the woman. That's what I call him. We got another one here. We got a uh, Grace Kelly Miller. Grace Kelly, yeah. Yeah, big fan. Big <laughs> big fan of her, are you? Go on. <laughs> I love her work. <laughs> uh, a woman. A woman, did you say? I was as shocked as you, lads. I was as shocked as you when that came in. <laughs> Do you have any like sight of the demographic uh, figures? Because when I looked at my YouTube recently, it was like 99.4% male and then 0.6% female. Other. <laughs> I, I did have a look a while ago at our... Uh, I think I could get up our Facebook statistics, and I think it was like basically a hundred percent men. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, there aren't any women on there that I don't know personally. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we got we got a very special patron here. Oh yeah, it's only. Do you know it is Alan? Is it um, Michael Gross? <laughs> no, no, no. You, <laughs> well, that's a nice you, you are. You are having a laugh if you think Old Michael Gross even knows you exist, lads. You are. We talked about him enough. You are in crazy town. No, it's it's the one, the only YouTube James Bond expert extraordinaire, Ooh. and I don't mean Dutch Bond fan. <laughs> no, it's uh, Calvin M. Dyson. Ooh. Calvin Milhouse Dyson. Welcome to the club, Calvin M. Dyson. Now you can hear... No, th- thank you. Thank you. You're well, very jealous of all the content. shout-outs. Yeah, no, exactly. We wouldn't, well, we wouldn't let you listen to the Exactly, uh, you, were, to the you had no, no. no access to all us uh, chatting about... All stuff you were featuring on, you had no access to it. <laughs> but now you do. So, yeah, no, it's, it's nice. You don't yeah. even listen to our normal episodes that you're not on, Calvin. <laughs> <laughs> So huge thank you as ever to all our uh, thank you all our much. patrons. How much huge. is Calvin giving us? One dollar a month. The basic minimum. What a tight gift. <laughs> <laughs> this is because I never, I've never contributed financially to this podcast ever. So I thought, I thought I should. <laughs> well, anyway, lads, I I have to share. We've uh, we've crossed over we've crossed over the threshold, lads, into being financially stable. 
Ooh. The Patreon really? now sustains the podcast in its full. Yeah, all the hosting fees, all that. It's all completely Yeah, covered. by sustaining, so, you mean our basic costs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Doesn't, for example, pay for all the DVDs we buy or the time we put in. <laughs> That's, that's, we do appreciate covering, it, of course. Covering but, all yeah. the basic costs, so that's, that's something, lads. I'll that tell you good. what, you've put up a new a new goal there for uh, oh go go chuck some more money at the show. Yeah, we better tell Calvin about this because he doesn't know. <laughs> if uh, if we get up to that new goal, lads, we might just get some live episodes on the go. So uh, live, yeah, yes. What's what's the uh, the goal? Uh. I, th- I can't even remember. It's something like something like $85 a month or something. I can't remember that. It's a lot. Good God, you're raking it in. Well, that, we're never, we're never going to make that. I was going to say we're never going to make that. So it doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think I think the plan is if we get up to there, I think there might be a live episode or, or, or possibly a few, but I think we'll do one down in London probably because... Uh, Oh. Cheaper for travel, you do it down there. That's, that's <laughs> if uh, Mr. Calvin M. Dyson would uh, even want in on that. So there you go. Oh, yeah. oh yes, yes. yes. So the chuck some money yes. and you can come and watch Diminishing Returns live. Tell all what, your what friends. What would that be? Would we like rent out a room in a pub? And I, I think so, yes. <laughs> like a 12-seater or something. <laughs> <laughs> we could just do it outside. <laughs> if the weather's good. You know, park. Just shouting yeah. at strangers. <laughs> With a megaphone. <laughs> I don't know if that's me or Bump. With a megaphone. Mm. Alright. Well, well, thanks, uh, thanks, Japanese Bond. Oi. Yes, thank you. I believe I had a kimono when... It, no, shit. I believe I had a hat when it... No, it's not... It's not, it's not, it's, it's not funny if I actually had it, is it? It's not a Bond reference if I actually had one. <laughs> I believe I had a samurai sword when I came in. <laughs> yeah, now, now it's James Bond related again. Right, see you, lads. <laughs> Calvin, Bye. get Mr. Bond's samurai sword. What do you mean that's broken it? Bloody hell, what are we going to do? <laughs> <laughs>